Well, I love the topic. Um, I mean, I, ever since I discovered how wonderful I felt doing the dances of Universal Peace, I really kind of got this, you know. Uh, mm. And you know, probably not. You know, probably not on the deep level you're talking about, because unfortunately, I couldn't do those regularly enough. Uh, but I got a hint or a glimpse into it, and. Uh, and it, it was so interesting to learn uh, how deep this goes, and um, how these, you know, how these dances affect our psyche, our health, um, how they're, you know, have a spiritual aspect. And um, I, I don't know. I think that topic is new to a lot of people. Um, what about mm. you, Laura? Do you find this this is a, you know, kind of a learning curve for some people? Oh, well, absolutely, because a lot of us are growing up in a time and place where we don't have a collective circle dance tradition anymore, but many of us had that in recent generations um, because circle dancing is something that people have done in pretty much every culture all over the world. So you sort of put your finger on it, and the very first thing that you said, even if you couldn't dance regularly with the dances of universal peace or with international folk dance or sacred circle dance, even one or two experiences is enough to feel there's something really special about doing that, right? About coming together in a circle with people who you probably don't know them all. And nevertheless, we overcome whatever our usual barriers might be with new people to join hands and deeply pray. I mean, the dances of universal peace is what I'm thinking of here, where people sing mantras from different traditions and really join in a a non-denominational kind of uh, movement prayer. But the sacred circle dances, although they're not specific, well, the traditional dances that I teach, they're not specific prayers in the songs. They have in them a reverence for the earth, for the body, because we're dancing in the body, uh, and also for the feminine, because these dance traditions have been in the hands of the women. And that kind of brings us to the, the topic of the blog that you were mentioning on feminism and religion, um, about the generosity and community as core ethics of women's ritual dances. And I think maybe one reason that one or two experiences of doing these dances can can really be meaningful for us is that there's a deep thirst in us, don't you think so? To connect with people in that meaningful way, with community, with sharing, and with shared uh, you know, leadership. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, and I will say that, um, you know, I think uh, with exceptions, you know, so many of us are living in the city, we're living on, in stress. Um, mm. uh, you know, we don't even maybe know our neighbors. Um, there's this uh, indifference. There's maybe this distrust. Uh, there's this, mm. you know, we always have to be on our guard. It's the survival of the fittest. And, you know, I have mm. to tell you, um, I, 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 you know, because I lived that for the last 30 years, and recently mm. I moved to a small community, and um, and I was really amazed that, that, that this small community uh, is generous and giving and warm uh, to new people. Mm. It kind of restored my faith in humanity. Uh, it's been a gift, <laughs> actually, in, 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 in spite of the challenges. But it makes me think 
about how these dances sort of engender that very same thing in a way. It kind of brings out the best in us. I think it helps us drop our guard in a good way, mm. you know, not that we don't, mm-hmm. you know, still have personal boundaries. But um, I don't know. It just feels so darn good. And... Um, <laughs> It, and, and I know in one of your articles you talked about how this is, um, you know, it, it, a, a wonderful learning exercise, I think, for people to um, to lead and then share leadership uh, because that's not something we see modeled very often. You know, we see this top-down mm-hmm. dominator patriarchal model that Rianne Eisler talks about. We don't know how to share leadership, which is, a kind of mm. goddess ideals, but these dances um, encourage uh, those sorts of values and ways of being, and in, in not just for the psyche, but also in the body. Um, I wonder if maybe you could talk about that a little bit, uh, because it might sound so foreign yeah. to some of my listeners. <laughs> yes, but I bet the ideas that you're mentioning are already kind of resonating with people, even if they've never held hands and, and danced in a circle with other people, because there is this desire to be in community in that beautiful way you describe in your new small town that you're living in. And I would like to think that this is the default setting for humans in community. You know, we have gotten a little bit off track from that, but we recognize it when we have it and we value it and we want to make more of it. So I think one of the things that's good about the dances that we can learn to do now is that they help us learn how to be with one another in community in our daily lives in different ways. Um, the, The thing about the dances that I've been researching and teaching for my entire life, these are the women's traditional circle dances of the Balkans, Greece, Near East, Armenia, and a lot of people, I'm sure, listening to your show will be nodding, saying, oh, yeah, I went to an international folk dance group. Oh, yeah, my background is Armenian or I'm Jewish. I've done Israeli dance. Or, oh, yeah, there was that Polish wedding where everyone danced. There's something not too far back in the past of the collective memory of most people, something about dancing in a circle. Uh, the Eastern European women's dances are very interesting because they're in what's called an open circle, meaning you have one person at the head of the line. The line usually is moving to the right, but it's following a circular shape. And then you have a little opening, and then there's a person at the end of the line or the end of the circle. So those are two positions of power that are like pillars or gateways for this small opening that I think of with the women's dances as almost having the shape of a womb where something gets something is permitted to enter and gestate and then something is permitted to be given birth to in terms of like the good feelings come in, everyone dances and they feel better. It's quite straightforward really. And then we transmit those good feelings as a blessing to the people that we meet as we go through our lives. I mean, it really is simple, but it's hard to do if you're down in the dumps, you know? I mean, here's where the dancing gives us that gift. We don't have to snap out of our bad mood or or find a way to pretend that we don't have troubles in our lives. We dance anyway. And this is where the tradition of these dances is very instructive because when I've gone to many villages in Greece and Bulgaria and places in the Balkans and Armenia, 
what's interesting to me, Karen, is that you have to show up and dance. That was the tradition. It wasn't an optional hobby. This was something that everybody in the community came together at the right place and the right time to dance. And so no matter how bad you're feeling, you still had to or still got to show up in your best clothes, join the circle. Usually it's you singing. Maybe there are also musicians with instruments. And this has the capacity, which I'm sure you've experienced yourself, to take you out of your own daily concerns and worries. Not to pretend they're not there, but just to have another parallel experience that for the time of the dance is stronger. And it's an experience of joy, joy at being alive, joy at being in the body, joy at connecting with other people. And then I think we take that as a sort of a a healing back when we have to go and confront the challenges of daily life. And when the culture gives you the opportunity or the requirement to do that regularly, I see that as an investment in in health, in the health of each individual and the health of the community. So if we could learn to dance regularly now or do something equivalent where there's a shared, embodied experience of joy that's meaningful for each person without being dogmatic, that's inclusive, and yet, as you say, there are boundaries, uh, I think it would help us develop the skills that we need to face the particular challenges of life in our modern time, which seem to be getting more and more (laughs) intense. And so the thing that I wanted to say, back to your first question, about the shared leadership, when you have the open circle, the woman who's at the head of the line, that woman is always changing. Everyone is going to lead the dance uh, from time to time. And so this is incredible to me. That's something you have to learn, even if you're a real introvert, and shy and you don't like the idea of taking your little white dance handkerchief, which they usually have, and being the first one, it means that you have some responsibility and the eyes are on you. You have some freedom. You dance with a little more uh, pep, maybe a little more expression in your in your gestures. You get to learn how to do that. You get to learn to cultivate leadership if you're not naturally a leader. And then if you are naturally a leader and you're at home in that first position, you get to practice handing the leadership role on to the next woman. So within the community, every woman particularly, I mean, the men have ritual dances too. It's it's equivalent, not exactly the same, but quite similar. Everyone gets to practice being a leader seeing everyone else in the leadership role and following them and then watching the leadership role get handed on. So this is the opposite to the dominator, top-down, hierarchical model of leadership you mentioned before, which Rianne Eisler articulated in her research into the power of partnership and the chalice and the blade, those wonderful books. Um, It's hard for us to imagine how the alternative could be, even when we read great books like that, for me, what really helps is to experience it in the body, like this model of the dance where there's an ever-changing leadership experience, then we know it in our bones. We know that whatever happens, everyone in our community has had the experience of stepping up in a time of crisis, maybe. She could lead, you could lead, I could lead, everyone could lead, and then there's this safety in the community where there isn't just one leader and, and it's always him and everyone else has to follow their whole lives, you know, like in the the pyramid right. hierarchical model. There's this sense right, of right. resilience that gets developed in the community and independence at the same time 
as we cultivate this sense of responsibility towards uh, the collective. So I think that's very exciting. And I, and, and I, I think too, it uh, you know it 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 it, do, it builds the community. I think it it encourages mm. better relationships, uh, maybe even mm. a sense of trust. And I'd be willing to bet mm-hmm. if you are maybe uh, I don't know having a you know, having a tiff with somebody, and you go to those dances, I would be willing to bet after dancing an hour or two, suddenly that tiff um, is not so intense. You know, it sort mm-hmm. of maybe melts away the animosity. Um, and, it, I, and, you know, what it occurred to me as well, would we have the opioid crisis that we have? Um, <laughs> you know, would we have so many people depressed and anxious if we had something like this, you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to oversell this. Okay. You know, I, I'm not saying this is a, this is a cure all for everything, but it feels like this is a natural way that our, uh, our foremothers knew, you know, um, you know, the ancient goddess advocates, you know, they knew doing this was a community builder. They knew doing this was good for our psyches, good for our health. Um, we've just forgotten. You're or never learned. Right. You know, if, if we, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, why don't you speak to you the, therapeutic, the, thera- the therapeutic healing benefits um, of some oh, of this? Yeah. Because I know I had a woman on the show some time ago, I want to say her name is maybe Danica Anderson. Um, oh, yeah, uh, I know and, her. And does I, that sorry. wonderful research, yes, with Croatian women's colo dancing. She does yes, wonderful work. Yes, the colo work. dances. Who and, I'm thinking and, of, and, yeah. Yes, and yes, that's exactly who it is. And she talked about how the women who had been traumatized by war uh, or rape and all of the horrors of war that women end up experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, they use these dances to help heal themselves. Um, I would imagine, yeah. you know, those of us who, um, you know, maybe haven't gone through something so traumatic. Uh, I mean, if it can help them with that sort of heavy-duty trauma, um, I mean, it could certainly help us in our everyday Western life. That's absolutely right. All all of that is very important, and that's why I feel so passionate about bringing these dances back as much as possible into the modern world where everyone can learn them and can do them and can receive those healing benefits because we may not, I hope, we may not have all gone through the worst kind of trauma, but, you know, when we learn to see and think and feel from the perspective of belonging to a community or a human family, the very fact that it's happening to other people, other brothers and sisters in that human family, we're also carrying a little piece of that trauma. And um, something that surprised me a lot when I first started to get to know these Eastern European folk dances, we're going back like 35 years now, was that the songs were sometimes songs that acknowledged historical experiences of trauma and war. There are women's dance songs that, that speak with incredibly strong emotion about war and also about rape, things that, you know, in my mind, I thought you could never possibly connect with a dance circle. I thought dancing was always about being happy or pretending to be happy, and if you weren't happy, you shouldn't try and go dancing. But what I see is this 
this healing quality has to do with the dance circle creating a safe space and a healing container for the witnessing of everything that has happened or could happen because you know you live in a world where these things happen to other women. You know at some level it could happen to you. This is a way to witness and name that within the presence, again, of this parallel experience of connecting to each other in the strength and the power of shared movement. And so maybe joy is not the focus in those moments. And certainly they don't sing and dance to those songs like at a party or a wedding. It's for special ritual occasions, and they're very aware of the power of it. But one example is historical songs from northern Greece from the Ottoman era when you would have Greek women maybe caught alone in the fields or on the streets and taken by uh, soldiers. And um, you can imagine very easily what happens to them. So two or three hundred years later, the women of that village are still singing songs about the one girl that that happened to. And it's like a way to acknowledge her, to keep her memory alive, but I think also to keep each other vigilant remember the world might not be a safe place. Be awake, be alert, be aware. We have to protect ourselves and each other. And we also have to bring that trauma into the presence of the healing container, like bringing the the wound that needs healing into the presence of the healing balm, which is how I see the experience of, of doing these dances. And then when you know, again, through the experience of dancing, you know that even the worst traumas can be, well, can be healed. Not, I don't think as if nothing ever happened, but healed enough that we can function, that we can go on, that we can feel joy again. And this is a really important part of, of these dances. It's not one that you immediately touch upon, but knowing that it's there gives me the certainty when I'm working with my groups of students that whatever traumas we carry, as we all have a whole a whole bunch of, of things from the past or the past of our families, of our ethnic groups, human history, all of it, something from the dance can help, can soothe to some degree. And I've just been so privileged, Karen, over all these years to hear the stories of so many women, hundreds Ten thousands, tens of thousands of women that I've danced with and, and seen how this coming together in the presence of the traumas where normally we feel isolated in trauma. Well, I don't know if what's normal, but very often part of the trauma is feeling isolated by the trauma. So to bring it into the collective and then strengthen one another to move on, this is another wonderful life skill that I think we really need in the modern world. And then individually. Well, Laura, I'm um, I'm, one, mm. I, I'm I'm wondering if um, are you aware of uh, if the dances are actually used as therapy um, in an f- official capacity, or oh um, yeah, is is this they, they are? Yes, in lots of different countries, this is a big thing. I mean, sacred circle dance is a worldwide movement. In Brazil, you have people using it officially in therapeutic capacities in hospitals, also in schools, in the corporate world. And in um, the U.K., it's often incorporated into occupational therapy. I started out, actually, after I did my first degree in intercultural studies in 1986, 
I went to live in Europe and I trained as a dance movement therapist in London. And from the very beginning, I was particularly interested in in trying to understand the healing and therapeutic capacities of these dances. And my own work has been focused on, um, shall we say, the 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 normal normal. Well, <laughs> is any of us normal? <laughs> Ordinary people who are high-functioning enough to to get in their cars and drive off to a dance group, you know. And yet the thing is that whatever in us needs healing, as I said, can receive some something comforting and soothing from this fact of being together with others and experiencing this deep embodied connection and sharing of meaning without dogma or spirituality without dogma. So for many people who had given up on uh, church and religion and even politics because of the dogmatic side and the feeling that there's a point at which you have to hide your thoughts or you can't be free. You know, when you're dancing, everything you feel is completely valid and true. And then tomorrow for you it might be totally different. And the woman next to you could be having, Mm -hmm. again, a completely different experience. And that freedom is something, I think, uh, unique, actually, in, in community I don't know, community prayer experiences? Uh, I'm not really even sure what to call it because as soon as you use words like prayer, it sounds like it's overlapping into the realm of religion. But this is something I wanted to say about these dances, Karen. These are so ancient. The image of people joining together in a circle and sharing rhythmic movement in a symmetrical way with joined hands, this goes back thousands of years, 8,000, 10,000, 14,000 years ago in Europe, they're finding representations of circle dancing. And Josef Garfinkel, who wrote this amazing book, Dancing at the Dawn of Agriculture, he talks a lot about the image of the circle dance. He points out that this is the most prevalent image in human art in the Neolithic period and that dancing was the most important activity in human societies for people to bond and affirm their identity in their community, but also to transmit information that circle dancing was the main form of education for thousands of years. Don't you think it's amazing that we don't know that? <laughs> and, and doesn't that yeah, also yeah, explain do. why there's this recognition in us, you know, we dance once and something ancient in us gets activated and says, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my feeling. And, you know, everybody's welcome. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist um, or certainly a pessimist. Um, but, you know, I think our society is structured now, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to divide us rather than um, encourage um, activities that bring us together, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah. I mean, look, you, you have uh, some, you know, some churches saying things like yoga and tai chi, you know, or evil and of the devil, 
you know um oh. i mean it's crazy uh, i mean I, I mean i've started a, a, i've started a tai, a tai chi class up here in the mountains and you know it's it's been you know helping me you know uh get over the anxiety of the of this unexpected transition and um you know the teacher was telling us that uh, back in world war Two, uh they did an experiment with the soldiers and ones that were doing tai chi had better um heal outcomes than those who didn't you know and it's mm. all of these modalities that um, we didn't grow up with that I, I feel right. like we're having to relearn now you know um, yeah and and I think um, it, it uh, puts us you know whether it's the Tai Chi or the dance it puts us more in our body I think it helps us combine mm-hmm. our left and our right brain I mean it just That's makes so us true. a more whole and healthy human um, and, and I'm thinking you know about the times I have done the dance I, and even square dance I mean I love square dance mm-hmm. and look at how popular line dancing is you know I, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt if line dancing is um, popular for these very same reasons you know um, oh sure it meets a lot smile. of the needs <laughs> yeah you can't help yeah. but smile that that thing of a shared rhythm with people who maybe you don't know <clears throat> and if you really got to know them you might not like them you certainly wouldn't agree with everyone's thoughts on politics the economy <laughs> and so on and nevertheless <laughs> it's incredible we overcome all that as you say, we learn to trust each other, and we share something that's more important than those divisions. We're living in a time where those divisions have been given great power to divide us, and it's almost as if, as, as you say, something is being fostered on purpose to keep us away from these experiences of our strength in community. But there is this natural desire to come back to that. And it's not so much just that we've forgotten the power of circle dancing this was really there was a deliberate effort to erase it in western and northern europe the the church uh from rome both catholic and and protestant churches banned dancing and uh the whole witch burning thing that that women dancing in circles on crossroads on the festivals of the year were were targeted for for being seen, as you say, as evil when this is something that people have been doing for thousands of years. And I think we probably covered this when we talked the time before, Karen, but it it might be worth mentioning again when people say, well, why Eastern European women's circle dances? Isn't there something closer to home? You know, my ancestors are from Northern Europe or the British Isles or whatever. And the thing is that a thousand years ago when those circle dances started to be stamped out, in Northern and Western Europe, it left us with the legacy of the square dancing, the set dancing, partner dancing, line dancing, any kind of dancing but a circle for the most part. Whereas in Eastern Europe, the Orthodox Church may have oppressed women in other ways, but they never had a witch hunt. They never targeted women. They didn't burn anyone for dancing um, at the crossroads. In fact, every Orthodox Church has a dance place in front of it where the priest leads the dance as the, the great symbol of resurrection at Easter, for instance, and at every wedding, at my wedding in the Greek church in Greece, our priest led us in the dance right right after the ceremony, and it was part of, considered to be part of, of the ceremony. So something is alive in Southern and Eastern Europe that used to belong to Northern and Western Europe, too. And I feel that we can learn it from experiencing what they're still doing there where it was never lost. 
not quite so much, although it's changed. But then we can shape it to meet our needs, because one of the great things about the sacred circle dance movement is not everyone is doing just the traditional dances, although that was the inspiration starting more than 40 years ago. A lot of people are choreographing their own dances to the music in their language, the music that they love to hear. Plenty of beautiful dances have been choreographed to the songs and recordings of uh, of Lisa Thiel, for instance, who always opens your, your who opened your show tonight. You know, and that's I think a really beautiful, creative, and inspiring way for us to take the teachings, the lessons of dancing in circle but to shape it in a way that has meaning for us, for who we are today, so we don't feel like we're stepping too much outside of our own culture or having to, um, you know, be in a museum in a way. Uh, So I love these modern choreographies that are part of the sacred circle dance movement, but my focus has been on trying to research and preserve the traditional women's dances because, um, and I know this is one of the, the things that you felt inspired by when you were reading my blog on feminism and religion, I'm convinced that these traditional dances, which, as you know, go back thousands of years, they contain within them symbols and signs of the goddess, which I see as a kind of a secret language. It's certainly an unbroken stream of symbols and motifs from like the archaeological finds of the Neolithic period all the way through the present day, the women have been keeping these same patterns and motifs alive faithfully in their weavings and embroideries. Same symbols you see on the goddess figures from six, 7,000 years ago. You see women in the Balkans embroidering them on their aprons and their bodices. And then the same patterns or themes appear in the dance steps and the dance shapes, the circle, the spiral, the zigzag, the, the serpent, the star, the sun, the moon, the crescent, all of these powerful symbols the women are making with their feet and with the shapes of the circle when they dance. And then, just in case there was any doubt about whether this might all be happening by accident or by coincidence, the songs that the women sing to accompany their dances specifically emphasize these same elements and these same patterns, giving over and over again an image of a safe space, a sanctuary, which is really what the dance circle is. It's like a a place where the ancient worldview of goddess has survived, smuggled through patriarchy in this innocuous form of dancing, which everyone thinks couldn't possibly be a a harbor for revolutionary ideas. (laughs) But if you really look at the way the women are living... They're, they're living, excuse me, they're living the, the values of generosity and community, which is exactly the shift that we need to make in our time if we're going to have a future for our Earth. So it is revolutionary. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 as far as the the motifs go, the, the symbols go, um, I mean, we saw that, you know, when we were in Turkey, actually, <clears throat> how a lot of these, uh, you know, you know how the symbols stay alive in the textiles, you know. Yes, and, the um, there, and, yeah. 
Yeah, the the carpets and and uh, oftentimes, like you said, the embroidery on wedding dresses or mm-hmm. um, you know s- sacred ritual clothing, um, you know right. something to you know something to that effect. You know, it's it's hidden in plain sight. Uh, uh, I mean, right. I know Margaret Starbert talked about the the pagan images in the tarot decks and things like that. You know, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we we keep these keep these ideas alive. You know, even um, you know, oftentimes when it's um, uh, you know we're under under threat of uh, mm-hmm. you know duress or death or um, whatever. But um, I I wonder though, yeah. what would you say to someone, Laura, um, who uh, would love to experience this, but um, you know, other than like me, I mean, do you have uh, some examples on your website? But I mean, but 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 for someone who wants to go beyond just watching, um, I mean, how can they yeah. find these dances? I mean, are there conferences um, or any? You know, uh, how can they do it? You know, how how can they experience oh, yeah. in their body what we've been talking about? Yes, well, I do think you're absolutely right. To do it is much better than to watch it. Of course, in the days of YouTube, you could probably Google circle dance. You can certainly Google Bulgarian dance, and you can see what it's like to have women in a circle uh, dancing the same steps together, holding hands, and they're dressed alike, and there's this instant sense of connection and community and solidarity and joy that you can see even if you're just watching. But, of course, it's a thousand times better to do it yourself. And... Probably wherever you are, if you Google circle dance or sacred dance or sacred circle dance, you might find um, a directory or a group near you. I know most of the countries where there's a dance practice, there is a um, there is a, a circle dance website, like there's one for the UK, there's one for Germany, and in uh, this country, in the Bay Area, there's a circle dancing website, just circledancing.com, that has a kind of a database for North American circle dancing for special events and groups, and you can contact them, and they've got all kinds of resources, so I would say start with circledancing.com. Of course, I think circle dancing in that sense, is likely to be more of the choreographed dances, which are very beautiful, as I say. If you want to experience the traditional dances, that's what you would find in an international folk dance group, and those also used to be everywhere, all over Europe and the UK and in North America. I think perhaps it's dwindling a bit from its heyday, but you can probably still find it. The thing is that, for me... I wanted to bring those two modalities together, starting back in the 1980s when I was um, passionately uh, learning both of these different ways of dancing, the sacred dance way and the international folk dance way. I love the authenticity and the sense of time travel through dancing the Balkan dances that women were still dancing in these remote villages that they hadn't changed for hundreds or thousands of years. I loved that, but the international folk dancing was often very sporty and secular, people having fun but certainly not looking for an experience of group meditation or a sort of a spiritually meaningful bond. Whereas the circle dance movement focuses on that, but you might not ever see a traditional dance at some groups. It might be all choreographies. So my my path has been to try and bridge the spiritual intention of the circle dance world where we dance together with a a conscious aim 
to connect in a respectful and sacred manner, and then also to bring in the tradition and the authenticity of these dances from the Balkans, because they're like endangered species for me. Uh, anyone can make up a, a modern choreography. I mean, there are some really amazingly beautiful ones that I also love to do, but what I mean is that the modern dances are not endangered in the same way as when you have like a group of five or six dances from one village in northern Greece, and now all the young people have left because there's no work, no no school, no medical care. All the families have to go and live in towns, and it's just the old grandmothers who are dancing the dances, but without the the whole family there if, of all the generations, they can see that it will come to an end with them. So that's where I go. I go to learn from those women so and whatever I can. It It is sad, and yet they've gone through so much, and something has always survived. They're pretty pragmatic about it, but they're also really happy to know that their dances are being taken up by by non-Greeks, non-Bulgarians, women like us living in other countries, they think, oh, okay, well, something will survive in your hands, and something, there's just yeah. trust. I don't know. It's This is the thing about trust. It gives them this sense of trust. These are not women who spend their time worrying for the most part, and I think that's like one of the neurological benefits of dancing also. You know, you get to train your your brain waves, your neural pathways to be oriented towards optimism and joy. And then, you know, what a great life tool to have when you're outside of the dance circle and back in your daily life to be oriented towards a positive outlook. That does so much for for your health. And um, another thing, well, Karen. Yes. Well, well Karen. wait. Just, just, just one, just one second. Hold that thought. Um, when you were talking about <laughs> the secret language of the goddess, um, mm-hmm. you know, you talked a bit about the symbols. Um, but is mm-hmm. there more? Is is the language actually trying to tell us something other than show oh. us the symbols? Um, I, you know, I, I just wanted to make sure I asked you that. If there's another layer to this. Oh, that's such a good question. I might have known you would be getting to the heart of it. <laughs> so I think that's really um, that's really a key. So the signs and symbols, even though we see this continuity from the 5th or 6th millennium uh, before our time, all the way through the archaeological figures and then the textiles and then the dance patterns, we can't know what those symbols meant or whether what they mean now is the same as what they meant then. No one can know that. We can see the continuity is there. That's a fact. And the people who know, like Maria Gimburas, can propose some awfully convincing arguments for what those families of signs and symbols are likely to indicate. But what we can be certain about, and again, it's subjective, but it's to do with what is transmitted through the experience of dancing. And here's where I think a message from the ancient goddess ethic, meaning the worldview of the goddess-reverent cultures of the Neolithic era, what Maria Kimbutas called the Old Europe or the Danube civilization, those, those elements of the worldview to do with community, sustainability, mutual support, a culture of peace, a culture of justice, all of those 
qualities are what we experience and practice in the dancing. The leadership is shared. Everyone's included. The women's dances are simple enough that you can dance them at every age and in every state of health and well-being. You know, you go through a time of being sick, you can join in the simplest dances and you feel better after that. The the therapeutic experience is, is something genuine. So these are experiences in the body where we get to live for the time that we're in the dance circle this worldview of the ethic of the goddess. So she's passing on a message through what we do. And um, this is where the traditional dances, it's one reason I find them so compelling, Karen. The women are not allowed to change them. So that's in direct contrast with the the mode in the sacred circle dance movement nowadays for everyone to make up their own dances to their own favorite songs, which is wonderful. But in Greek, for instance, and in Latin, the word tradition, paradosi, means to pass on. Like the whole point of the traditional dance is that you pass it on as you received it. You didn't change it. And so there's this sense of lineage, receiving something from the previous generations that you pass on for future generations and this preserving of something that must not be changed. And when you talk to women in the villages about that, they're all very emphatic. We're not allowed to change it. We have to pass it on as we received it. And what that means is that we're having the same experiences that women generations ago, centuries ago, millennia ago were having if it's the same thing as the dances are simple enough that every woman is welcome and the leadership changes so that every woman has a chance to lead, to be led, and then to pass on leadership. And the the circle as a safe space, as a sanctuary where education still takes place, even if it's under the radar of patriarchy, all of these are the what I would call the messages encoded in the language of the goddess. But they don't even know they don't need to pass through the medium of a vocabulary of signs and symbols, although that certainly backs up what I'm talking about. It's more that our own embodied experience gives us a felt sense of that worldview in action, which now we know how it feels. We can go off and try and put it into practice in our daily lives. And I think that this has the power, excuse me if it sounds a little grandiose, but these are the skills that we need to save our world. To have a future on the earth, we're going to have to change the way that we do things. We're going to have to learn to include everyone, to give everyone a voice, and to not have the highest aim be that one guy wins and fills his own pockets and his own belly while his own relatives go hungry and can't pay their bills. You know, we live in a society that honors a man like that, but that that time is over now. It can't all be exploitative, yeah. extractive, personal profit at the expense of, of the common resources. We all know that that has to change. But here's the thing. We don't have to reinvent the wheel because we had these thousands of years when human society lived in a culture of shared resources. And we can see that from the archaeological uh, record that the people in a, a in the communities of old Europe, they all had enough to eat. There wasn't one uh, big man, big chief grave, as as Carol Christ would say, a big man grave showing that uh, one guy had more to eat than anyone else and more stuff, more treasure, more slaves, more horses, more wives, who all ended up being sacrificed to go in his tomb with him. This is a totally different culture where 
people had this uh, this egalitarian sharing of the resources that they had. It's amazing to know that we had thousands of years of that in not just human history, but European history. This is another real reason why these dances captured my heart, because um, wanting to find ways to connect in community in ways that were reverent for the earth and for the divine feminine. Of course, there were many doorways opening to indigenous wisdom from all kinds of different places, and yet if it isn't our background, I think there's a limit to how much we can expect to get involved with the rituals and the wisdom of other cultures. This has been a hot topic for years now. But for me, bypassing yeah, you mean, all you mean of like that... Cultural appropriation. You, well, you mean, yeah, you that's mean like something cultural that, appropriation. Yeah. Yeah, no one was talking about that in the 1980s, but people are sure talking about it now. And it's good to have a much more mindful... Uh, awareness of the way that we approach the gifts from different cultures but anyone who's got European background can turn to these dances with a sense of home and belonging and say yes, my ancestry leads back to this heritage, this is the indigenous wisdom of white Europeans and it's got the same healthy message that respects the earth, the body and the feminine and that teaches about sustainability and sharing and community and generosity, just like the wisdom of the other indigenous traditions of the earth that we found so inspiring. Do you see what I mean? It's very exciting. Absolutely. Well, I, uh, Laura, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to give you a moment to catch your breath, <laughs> and um, I, we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a, a word from Joe Carson. Well, I didn't want to interrupt you. You were on an incredible roll, saying such you know wise and meaningful things. I thought I, oh, I'll just I'll just me. let you run with it. <laughs> um, but uh, but but we're going to take a uh, take a quick little break, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to kind of give you a final uh, final moment to sort of wrap things up okay um okay. so uh here's a word here's a word from joe carson hello let me say a few things about joe carson's film dancing with gaia an exploration of Earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. Here is what Drusilla Pettibone said on DearMist.com. I was truly touched and even awed by the film. I don't think I can comment on it adequately until I've had a chance to watch it a couple more times. I really appreciate that there is so much substantive information to digest. For example... The info about hinges and tracing the horizon line is all new to me and totally fascinating. The film was obviously very beautiful, and I was amazed how it was able to capture so many of the descriptions visually and seamlessly connect vintage footage with modern. I especially loved when images were dynamically superimposed on each other, like the lace with the water and the dancing in the flowering meadow. A visual feast and with so many layers. I am also so pleased to have been introduced to Monica Shu and her work. It's so important for pagans to become aware of our heritage. It seems easily lost among so many new books, and the film really brought me home in a new way. 
Dancing with Gaia is available at dancingwithgaia.com. trailer for Dancing with Gaia, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see them yourself but haven't, this is a great opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy the DVD and booklet for only $20 at DancingWithGaia.com. Well, Laura... um, I, I, I just love how you've been able to sort of connect so many dots. And, you know, I was thinking as I was listening to you talk that um, I think um, I, I, I want to word this correctly. You know, it feels like sometimes our society has become in some ways too big for its britches, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe they some, pe- some people look at things like these dances or – um, I don't know, maybe just some of the things that we hold dear in, you know, goddess community, feminist community, and, you know, they marginalize it. You know, they think it's unsophisticated. And I, I think we, if we do that, we do it at our peril uh, because, you know, it's things like this that I think, um, you know, are, are really important at the core you know, as opposed mm. to some of the artificial things that that maybe we have given um, too much relevance or or importance today, if if that makes any sense. Yes, of course. Well, you're so right about that. As always, you put your finger right on on the essence of it, and I, I think it's easy to overlook the importance of coming together in a collective way that's that's positive that's meaningful and spiritual without being dogmatic because we haven't had experiences yet of what that is. But as soon as we have those chances to connect in that way, we see, oh, here's a circle where everyone is welcome. There's a place for everyone, and everyone is important, and I'm important, and you're important. And I feel, Karen, like the worst side effect of living in this modern world, as you've described it, is people end up feeling not certain of their own sense of self, not connected to their own power, and not believing that their own voice or their own actions can make a difference. But just the experience of dancing, where you see that you're in the container of the circle that's holding you, but you're also one of the bodies making that container in that circle that's helping hold everyone else. Mm -hmm. No matter how much we need yeah. help in the moment, we're also simultaneously helping. And that sense of having something to offer, having something to give, don't you feel like that's also missing for a lot of people in the world today? 
Well, I do, and and I think it and maybe take it even a step further, you know. Um, and and you tell me if this is a crazy thought, but you know, everybody in the dance has to hold up their end. Um, it's mm-hmm. not. It's a participatory thing. You know, it's a participatory mm. thing. It's not uh, something where you stand on the sidelines and watch. You know, like in our mm-hmm. culture, it's so easy for us to sit sit on the sofa and throw tomatoes at the television, but not really ever do anything. Um, you yeah. know, I, I think maybe there's a, a lesson in this that that you have to be a member of society, you, just like you have to be a member of the dance. You have to. To get in there and do your part, and um, and and take responsibility uh, for when you know whether you're in the middle of the line or you're at the front of the line or you're at the end of the mm-hmm. line, uh, because that's gonna that's gonna rotate and shift, and um, right. you know you need to be ready. And um, I I think um, society the way it is today. Um, it encourages uh, people uh, to not have empathy, to not participate, um, mm. and I don't know. You know, maybe I'm I, maybe I'm uh, making too much out of this, but maybe that's another element of the dance. You know, it it teaches mm-hmm. you that you have to stand up and be counted and do your part. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. And not only you have to do your part to give, but you need to be there to receive because there are gifts for you. Mm-hmm. There's the gift, gift of healing and of connecting because you are valuable and worthy of healing and connecting, worthy of joy, worthy of love. And I think to receive and to give, this is something that we practice in the dance. We learn how to do it. We know how it feels. We take it out into our own lives, and then we're already starting to transform the society. Well, you know, I've always said, you know, one of the values of God is his reciprocity, and that's exactly what mm. you're speaking about, you know. Yeah. Well, well, Laura, that about wraps it up for us for tonight. Um, is there anything you'd like to share before we go? Um, we've mentioned your website, uh, which is uh, laurashannon.net. Um, are you going to be doing any workshops and you know anywhere anytime soon? Because uh, my listeners are across the globe. Um, oh. You know, will you be somewhere that uh, someone yes, can I avail themselves of your workshop? Yeah, I have a, a whole list of events uh, in Europe, uh, in North America, Canada, and uh, the U.S., in Morocco. I run courses for, for women. That's also very exciting on the trail of the goddess and the ancient roots of goddess in North Africa and the pre-Arabic Berber cultures of the women there. Um, so, yes, uh, anyone who's interested can check out my website, and anyone who wants to find a circle dancing group in North America, for instance, can check out the Circle Dancing website that I mentioned before, circledancing.com. And uh, I really hope that people will find ways to come back, not just to the dancing, but to the ethic of being together that the dancing transmits. There's lots of ways into that. You mentioned Tai Chi. You mentioned Dances of Universal Peace. And I hope that you'll get a chance to start some more groups in the new place where you're living now. Do you have any plans to start a a Dances of Universal Peace group? 
Well, you know, I uh, I have been thinking. I've been invited to start a wisdom circle group. Now that's just exercising oh. our brains and not our body so much. But oh, uh, you know, I don't. Body. You know, I, I would. <laughs> well, you know, I would love to do something like that. Um, and I'm going to put some feelers out uh, to see if there's interest up here, uh, and see if there's mm. any if there are any teachers up here because I've never taught the dance. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't, you know, know that I could just step into a leadership role without being an apprentice for a little bit. But uh, I really yeah. would like to get something like that going up here. I think it would fit very well with, uh, you know, the type of energy that, um, you know, I've seen from most of the people. You know, it. Uh, I, I think it would go over really well, and I would certainly benefit from it as well. <laughs> I think so, too. It's nice to not always be the one holding the circle. You could invite one of the teachers that's on the CircleDancing.com website. Just tune in and see if someone wants to come from the Bay Area, or maybe there's someone already living right near you. You don't even know. That's true. That's true. I, you know, when, when, um, you know, we're not threatened with, uh, with snow every day and treacherous roads. Uh, I think that might, that might be a good, uh, good idea for the spring. I, it feels like a wonderful way to start the spring of 2019. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well Laura, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, well, uh, and back at you. I know pre, you know you're getting ready to leave the states again soon, and uh, I wish you well with uh, all of your work and your projects. And um, you know, please stay in touch. I've in, I've enjoyed uh, talking mm. with you, and uh, uh, thank you for sharing your wisdom with listeners. Oh, thank you, Karen. Thank you for having me on the show. It's always so much fun to talk with you, and the time just flies. So I look forward to the next time, and uh, you take care, and keep dancing. All right, then. I I certainly will try. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank you, Karen. Good night. Good night. Well, that about does it uh, for me tonight, dear listeners. Um, I think I'm going to close uh, with... uh, uh, a little bit of music here uh, by Celia, uh, and it's the full version of her cut, uh, Meta Prayer. Uh, please enjoy. <laughs> 